Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pottstown Bible Church. It's another glorious day. Let me start with reading a scripture. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Psalm 73, 24. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to raise a praise. Majesty, you are holy. 
So uh, turn to the person next to you, give them a little high five, a little wave, a little fist bump. Glad to see everybody here having a great time worshiping God.
Seated, okay. So let's ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to pray over the offering. Thank you, Father, for your for your mercy each morning that we are able to breathe another breath of your life. Each week we take an opportunity to give back of what you provide and Father I ask that you would accept these offerings that you would multiply them and use them to glorify your kingdom and your name and all God's people said Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of God speak I find in myself in the
So greet the person on the other side of you this time. And if you're joining us online, stay. Okay, once again, good morning, everyone. All right, before I pursue the message, I would like Miss Desiree Douglas and Mr. Bill Davis to stand up for me, please. Desiree, raise your hand. If you need prayer after this message, and every one of us do, these are the two people who I have asked to pray with you personally and listen to what you have to say and then pray about it. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, don't forget, this is Miss Desiree Douglas and Mr. Bill Taylor are willing to pray for you and they will be stationed right over by those chairs, uh, in those piled up chairs. So if you need prayer, I know I'm repeating myself. If you need prayer, would you please see Mr. Bill or Miss Desiree to pray for you. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's give them a hand right now. We didn't get too far last week on Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We only obtained verse 1. There was a lot said about it. So I'm going to repeat, no, not last week, but just the verse and go on and see if we can accomplish much. <clears throat> now, as the first slide says, we spent a lot of time on verse 1 last week. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And I, I'm just going to bring out something that's not on your screen. And I challenge you 
to look it up, if you will. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up. If you have a concordance or Strong's concordance or whatever you have, you can look up what I'm about to say and see it for yourself. Well, what are you about to say, Brother Bruce? Remember also your creators. That's what it is in the Hebrew. What's your point, Brother Bruce? Involved in your creation, let us make man in our image. I want you to notice something right away. It doesn't say, let us make man in our images. Genesis 1, 26, 27 says, let us make man in our image. Can I get an amen? It was the Father, the Son. I like to dwell upon that Son. And the Holy Spirit who created you and me. And we are to remember her, him. That doesn't just mean to remember in your mind. I'm going to point to it. It means to remember in your what? Heart. That's where we need the only true God. So let's go on to verse, let's pursue verse 27. Before the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will rise at the sound of the bird and all the daughters of song will sing softly. I'm going to go back to verse 1. Remember also your creators in the days of your youth. When is it best? Now I'm not discounting old as we get older, but when is it best to come to know the Lord? When you're young. Can I get a witness? Then you have a lot of time to make all those mistakes we're going to make, and you're going to make mistakes, or you're going to have some sins in your life, but you have the Lord Jesus in your heart to help you to overcome all those sins and weaknesses that we, you know, as I said, we, that includes the preacher and includes everybody. And you have the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to help you to make your way through those dark times in our lives. Verse 4, I'm on 37 again. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. 38. This is such a tremendous imagery of the human body and its parts. And you probably have caught that as we went along with the last few verses. Furthermore, men are afraid of high places. Or place, 
and of tares on the road. The almond tree. What is the almond tree? I wonder what that is. Hope I'll get to that. The grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Ho-hum. Sounds like a non-interesting message to me, but I want to tell you one thing, and you probably know it. The Word of God is exciting when you get to know the Lord Jesus, no matter if it's in Ecclesiastes, no matter if it's in Genesis, no matter if it's in Matthew, John, Luke, it doesn't matter. The Word of God is exciting. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Now, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week about verse 7, at least. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and I know I'm going to try to tackle this later, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Don't you let any false teacher, I don't mind who it is, Brother Bruce, Brother so-and-so, it doesn't matter. You have an immortal, if I can put it that way, you have a spirit, a soul that survives death. The dust might return and does return, but the spirit which God breathed into you with his own breath shall return to him for judgment. And I know I'm going to repeat myself. If your spirit goes to God for judgment, this is a warning. You better know Jesus. I'll get to that later. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and, re- and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Before the sun, I'm on number 39, the light, the moon, and the stars were darkened, and clouds return after the rain. In old age, we finally get to all that imagery. In old age, the relish for all pleasure is lost, and men grow indifferent even to those objects with once occasioned the most agreeable sensations, so that the sun with its pleasant light and the beautiful moon and stars are, as it were, obscure to them or their understanding, imagination, memory, judgment, the lights of the mind are so impaired that they seem darkened. One affliction or pain succeeds another as clouds return after heavy showers in a rainy place. If you are an older man or woman, you know what I'm talking about when I say one affliction or pain succeeds another. Can I get a witness? I'm a testimony to that. Number 40. In the day, the watchman of the house. What's a watchman? What are you talking about, Solomon? What do you mean by a watchman? 
The watchmen of the house tremble, and mighty men stoop. The grinding ones stand idle because they are few. Those who look through windows grow dim. 41. The watchmen of the house, the hands and the arms which, with which a man defends himself from assaults or accidents as watchmen keep the house, grow feeble and trouble when there is requisite. Now I'm going to say this again so I can slow down a little bit. The hands and the arms with which a man defends himself from the assaults of others as watchmen keep the house, grow feeble and tremble when their help is required. I was thinking about this for a long time, and this is probably indirect. I couldn't help think about the watchman of your soul who stretched out his hands. and defended you against the assaults of Satan so that you would never hear depart from me I never knew you can I get a witness there was a man the watchman of your soul and of your spirit who was willing to take your place as he hung on that cross to defend you against the assaults of Satan who would say, he's mine. Let me go on. the mighty men that stoop, the legs and the thighs, which are as strong men support the body, seem in old age bent under its weight. I'm not making this up as an allegory, and it's a truthful allegory, which means to stand beside. They put nails on his feet. He wasn't an old man when he died for your sins and mine. He was a young man, 33. And he hung on that cross. Until he could say those words. You've heard me say it before. You're probably going to get tired of me saying it. It's finished. Can I get a witness? Let me go on. The grinding ones, I'm 142. The grinding ones, those who look through the windows, you probably already know that. It's the teeth, which you use to grind the food are almost, uh, excuse me, which used to grind the food are most of them gone, and the few remain or become useless. And those who look through the windows grow dim. Say windows. Right now, you and I 
have our eyes. How about taking a look in this book? And I'm going to say this later on, I know. Behold the Lamb of God who takes up and carries away the sin of the world. And in particular, let me make it peculiar. Let me make it personal. Behold the Lamb of God with your eyes who picks up and carries away your sin and my sin. Ecclesiastes number 43. And the doors on the street are shut at the sound of the grinding mills. Lo, and one will arise at the sound of the bird. And all the daughters of song will sing softly. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can raise your hand on this. Have you found yourself getting up three, four, five o'clock in the morning? Can I get a witness? I'll tell you, the older we get, the less sleep we seem to arrive at. Well, what are you going to do when you get up sometime, Brother Bruce? I'm going to be praying for my sister, my brother, my cousin, myself, that I may be a living testimony to him who was and is and who's coming. Sometimes you and I have to drag ourselves kind of out of bed. Can I get a witness? It's time to do something with that, not just linger all through the morning. Make it useful. The voice, the voice of the ears, those daughters of music, are no longer capable of performing their function, or the spirits are too dull to let them attend with satisfaction. I hope you don't get upset with me, but you know what? Sometimes when you talk to me, you ever hear me go like this, what did you say? Have you ever said that? What did you say? That happens as we become older. I'm glad somebody laughed. Furthermore, men are afraid of high places and of terrors on the road. The almond tree, what's the almond tree? The grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Every ascent in the way terrifies them on account of the laboring of climbing. They shun every high place through fear of falling from it. Nay, they feel themselves so feeble and clumsy that they dread being thrown down or run over whenever they walk out. About two weeks ago, we had a baptism up in Amityville, or Douglasville, and we had two confessions of faith, and that was marvelous. I know I'm saying this in reference to falling, so I, I, I hope you can consider what I'm saying. As I said, two people were baptized, and it was 
what they did before they got saved and came to know the Lord and what has happened afterward as they got born again. And some of you were there. And while I'm at it, and I know this is off course, we plan to have another one to just praise the Lord. Can I get an amen? And while I was in the water, there was almost a third baptism because I went down. And I'm telling you, it was hard for me to get up. So the next time I posted myself against the wall, I said, Pastor Jack, you better, you don't want a third baptism here, do you? He immediately adjusted the going down and coming up. But while I'm on it, I'm going to say something that I didn't mean to say. Just because you're baptized doesn't mean you're saved. You've got to know the Lord first. Because baptism represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, and I didn't mean to say this, and I don't know who I'm talking to. If you got baptized and you don't know the Lord, you're still not saved. You just go, went down a wet center and you came, excuse me, you went down a dry center and you came up a wet center. Jesus talking to that famous man named Nicodemus who knew the law back and forth. A Pharisee of Pharisee. Jesus said to this very legalistic man, marvel not, Nicodemus, that I say to you, you must be born again. Paul calls it a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I know I'm a little bit off track. Are you and I a new creation in Christ Jesus? Only you can answer that question. Only you. You know in your heart. Number 45. And the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about the street. The caperberry tree is a stimulant. And um, it's supposed to give a certain effect as a stimulant. That's all I'll say about it. <clears throat> Number 46. Still part of verse 5. For man goes to his eternal home, <clears throat> the future as contrasted with the present temporary abode, compare the fool of Revelation. No, I'm not going to turn there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, Paul describes the Christian as being absent from the body, present with the Lord. I know that's in Philippians, but he, he describes a Christian as passing from this one life into the next, immediately into the presence of God. Forty-seven. Remember him before the silver cord is broken, 
and the golden bowl was crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered, and the rule of the cistern is crushed. After describing old age, the preacher proceeds by another set of images to represent the circumstances attending upon dissolution. Some suppose the metaphors to be taken from various parts of the human body, the cord of silver, the spinal marrow, the golden bowl, the skull. Others understand the reference to be a lamp suspended by a silver chain, which being broken, the golden bowl or reservoir of oil falls upon the floor and the lamp of life is extinguished. No matter what figure you put it under, you and I, if the rapture doesn't occur, we're going to face death. Can I get a witness? What's the rapture all about? Many of you know, but I'm not going into that now. Unless the rapture occurs, you and I are going to face death. The figures then change, and death is represented by images of the broken wheel and the broken pitcher of a well. In these emblems, the thought seems to be of death interposing amid the full activities of life. Say full activities of life. Have you noticed, ladies and gentlemen, lately, it doesn't matter what age you are. People being shot through windows and hit on their bicycle or some other type of tragedy, it's, it's quite apparent. We never know when we're going to leave this scene. In contrast with the gradual failing of the powers depicted in the preceding allegory, the grave. The grave may in some sense be thus called, but the eternal state of happiness or misery to which the soul removes at death. Same misery. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid this morning, and I'm not trying to be fatalistic or pessimistic. What is going to be your state after you leave this world? Is it going to be with Jesus? Or as I said before, are you going to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you? Fifty. Then the silver cord will be loose, which may mean the inexplicable. What does that mean? Inexplicable means can't really figure it out or something of that, that nature. Bond of union be, between the body and the soul. I don't know why I'm going over this so many times, but there are so many people that say or teach Right from this Bible, for instance, Ecclesiastes 9, 5 says that the death know nothing. And they take that verse out of its contextual setting and say, you see, death is it. It's over. Without considering at the end, as I read in 12, 7, the dust returns to the ground, but the spirit returns to God. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, 
read the word of God for yourself and ask God to give you understanding. Can I get a witness? Don't even trust me. Trust the word. And I'm glad you don't have to put your trust in any mortal man. Of course, we're just mortal. The Bible declares that you have a soul, you have a spirit. 51. I'm not going to dwell on all that it says here. Thus, at death the lungs cease to play, the heart ceases to beat, the blood to circulation, every vessel becomes useless. The whole surprising contravance for forming and communicating the blood. Say blood. I'm going on to 52. But while I'm on, on the blood, it was the blood that was spilled at Calvary. Not human blood, but God's own blood. And if you don't believe me, just read Acts 20, 28. The blood that was in the, in the heart, in the body of Jesus was the blood of God. And it's able to cleanse you and me. There's no other blood that is able to save your, and don't get me wrong, save our, I'll put it this way, our wretched souls. And let me just be honest. We were all dead in trespasses and sins. And it took the blood of God, the blood of his dear son, to be applied to your life, to your existence, to your soul, to save you. Fifty-two. The soul unconsciously. You see, I have a bracket up there with a question mark. I don't think he means to say that, but I, I put a question mark. Goes to either joy or torment and sleeps not as the wicked imagine. The inspired preacher regarded the body as the organ of the indwelling spirit, which though acting by means of the body, while connecting with it, is yet capable of separate existence. Say separate existence. Come on, say it, separate existence. Maybe it can stick in, stick in your mind and mine. What's a separate existence, Brother Bruce? Soul and spirit. To God who gave it, it returns to its creators, I should say, that its deeds done in the body may be brought into judgment. Do you see it? You see it, Brother Bruce? It says that your deeds. You see, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm going to be with the, the Lord. If, I, if my bad deeds outweigh my good deeds, I won't be with the Lord. That is heresy. Can I get a witness? You are not saved by your good works. Matter of fact, you can't perform a good work to get saved. By grace are you saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works. Ephesians chapter 2 and on, lest anyone should boast. 
I'm going to make it real personal. I will never be able to brag about how good Brother Bruce is because Brother Bruce is no good without the Lord. Fifty-four. I know I'm not going to get done with this message, and that's okay. But this is going to be the end of Ecclesiastes. Not that man, the masterpiece of. <clears throat> let me slow down. Not that man, the masterpiece of God's creation, the delegated sovereign of the lower world, is turned is returned to dust. What is there stable or worthy of contemplation? All is vanity. Okay, all is vanity. So, is reading the Word of God vanity? No. Is witnessing for Jesus Christ vanity all in vain? Is walking according to his statutes in vain? Then, Solomon, all is not vanity. Can I get a witness? Is talking to your children about the Lord vanity? Is telling your wife, I've got some more work on this old body to do and in my soul. Is that vanity? If I tell my cousins, I got, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, is that vanity, Solomon? I say no. Can I get a witness? You and I better witness while you have a chance. How can you keep someone you love Secretly. How can you love, how can you keep in someone who died and rose again and sits at the right hand of God? Vanity. Earthly speaking, it might be vanity, but heavenly speaking, it's eternally worthwhile. Solomon, that kind of sets forth what I just said. In the previous verse, I'm still on 54. Then the dust returned to the earth as it was, and the spirit returned to God who gave it, implying there is conscious existence after death. I don't get it, Solomon. Well, I just explained it. Vanity of vanities. And if this be the conclusion of all our labors, I, Solomon, have reason to conclude this book as I began it. And listen, I beseech you again to him who proclaims nothing to you but what he has proven in his discourse. That there is no solid foundation to be found in anything here below. Everything in this life, this earth, is going to pass. Can I get an amen? And I'm not saying there's going to be a brand new heaven in the sense of a renewed heaven and a new earth. That's what the Greek says. The Greek really means there's a brand new earth in, in, in the sense of being removed from all its sinful consequences, and all corruption, a brand new heaven and earth. I want you to answer yourself a solid question. Are you going to be there? I like that from that child. The old hymn says, 
when the saints go marching in. Here he goes again, off the track. Well, that's okay this time. Saints, say saints. Don't you know, ladies and gentlemen, that if you are a born-again Christian, you are considered a saint? There's no saintly class. Everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ is a saint. Let's, let me ask you a more sober question, and I'll talk about myself first. Am I living up to my saintly? I don't even know what word to use. My saintly position? Ask yourself. 56. How about you and me? And therefore it is the height of folly to take great thought for this present life and to lay up nothing for the life to come. Here's how Matthew 6.20 says it. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. How many have... I'm going to ask you a personal question. I'm not going to ask you what it was. How many have ever had something stolen from you? Raise your hand. Why do you ask that, Brother Bruce? It probably made you angry, and I, I wouldn't blame you. But the greater question is, have we laid up something in heaven? I know a man, he's here today. They stole everything he had. Everything. And he's a little bit distraught, and I would be too. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't preserve the things that were given to you. Can I get an amen? Nobody likes anything that's stolen from them. Fifty-seven. Have provision made for your eternal felicity. Felicity. Felicity means happiness. Do not exhaust your strength and spend your days in providing for the life here, but let your chief anxiety be prepared for eternity. Even Solomon. Now, I want you to think about Solomon for just a second. All those wives he had. All the wisdom that God gave him. He fell into disfavor with God because his wives led him to other idols. Head, wisdom, all that wisdom. I'm going to make this real simple. You can have all the wisdom in the world, and I'm not discounting wisdom. I'm not discounting it, so don't, go, don't tell anybody, Pastor Bruce said, you, no, I didn't say that. You can have all the wisdom in the world, but if your heart is not right with God, if you don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter how much academic wisdom you have. Can I get a witness? I'm glad we have some geniuses. I mean, they really can help us. 
I'm still on 57. I'm right in the middle. I'm going to add, are you an heir of God? Are you an heir? What do you mean by that? Don't you realize when you come to Jesus Christ, you're an automatic heir of Jesus Christ? Automatically. What do you mean by that? He's got something in store for you. For you personally. That's what the book says. A joint heir with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. Now you can see an asterisk up there. It looks like stars. The heart or affections will of course be fixed on treasure. To regulate the heart, it is therefore important that the treasure or object of attachment should be right. Where's your heart? Where's it at? I'm going to make it practical again. Is it in money? Is it in cars? Is it in your house? And I'm not discounting them things because they're very important. Is it your friends? The heart or affections will, of course, be fixed on treasure. Why do you say that, Brother Bruce? That leads to the next thing. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Can I get an amen? Wherever your heart is, that's your treasure. To what or to whom is your heart or your treasure fixed? I'm only going to be able to get to a few more pages, I can tell. 59. We're talking about the heart. Andrew, one of John the Baptist's, or John the Baptizer followers, upon hearing John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God, followed Jesus and abided with Jesus at someone's home for a day. I'm going to say this because it was kind of complicated to me until I kept looking at it over and over again and confirmed it, of course, with the word of God. Andrew, one of John the baptizer's followers, upon hearing John the baptizer called Jesus the Lamb of God, followed Jesus and abided with Jesus at someone's home for a day. Andrew had a brother named Simon Peter who was not with him when he stayed at someone's house with Jesus. At some point after being with Jesus, Andrew proclaimed, we have found the Messiah. Take an educated guess of this first step, of his first step was in sharing the good news. Now here's the account. Again, in the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked upon Jesus and he, as he walked and he said, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and beheld them following and said to them, What did you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came, therefore, and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, where it was about the tenth hour. What's the tenth hour? Well, I looked it up. It's about nine, 10 o'clock or 3 o'clock. I don't know. It depends what system of time you're using. 4 o'clock. 
One of the two, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his brother Simon and said, we have found the Messiah, translated Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. What's, what did you repeat all of that about? What did you and I do when you found the Messiah? I'm not saying it was immediate. I'm not saying it was this time or that time because in the Bible there was different times when apparently people found Jesus and they didn't say something right away. But I'm saying at some point when you got born again, when you got saved, did you tell your brother or your sister? Did you tell your cousin? Did you tell your wife? Did you tell anyone, I have found the Messiah? Can I get a witness? What about your children? I just talked about them before. I have found the Messiah, the Christ, which means the anointed one. He brought him to Jesus. Here's another account. I, th I think I'm going to end pretty soon. Yes, I am. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance or weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. Christian, I'm going to say it again. And you can, you can nullify me or you can say that's true. All Christians have something they need to overcome. Can I get a witness? And you struggle with it. We were talking to somebody last week, or I, I can't remember, it might have been two weeks ago. And I don't remember who it is, and I wouldn't dare name them at, at all anyhow. They were struggling with a certain sin over and over and over again. And I, our, our advice, not just Brother Bruce's advice, our advice to them was, you are sincere, and this is a weakness in your life. You keep on praying about it, and God will help you to overcome. He will do it. Even if you're weak, God knows we have weaknesses. Let me say this. There's only one perfect person. And I have it at the top. His name is Jesus or Yeshua. That's the Jewish name. And how do you do that? How do you overcome? Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Say perfecter. Don't you know your, your faith is not perfected yet? But it will be. When's that going to happen? When he comes back. If you don't believe that, read 1 John chapter 3. Who for the joy set before him and I'm going to say this, and I got this from a Greek commentary, so I didn't make it up. Instead of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, I know I'm going to talk a little bit about the cross, so I might as well get off my mind. He endured the cross. 
I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it quickly. Jesus was the only person who could ever say this. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. He laid down his life. No soldier, no whipping in the face, no crown upon his head, bleeding from head to foot, no lashes on his back, no bending of his knees to breathe. No one could take his life from him. He laid it down. Can I get a witness? And who did he lay it down for? He laid it down for you and me. For the joy that was set before him. Say joy. If I, instead of, instead of, um, no, let me just explain it. For the joy. Who's the joy? I'll tell you who it is. You and me. Going to be with him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many places. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Can I get a witness? That's his joy. And not only his joy, to present you faultless before the throne of God. The Christian life is a growing life. It's not just saying, well, I got saved years ago and you don't do anything. It's growing in Christ. And he sat down. Say sat down. I know here Brother Bruce goes again. That's okay. He sat down on, he sat down on the right hand, which is the place where he's approved by his, his father. And I'm almost done, so stay with me. There's a man, I don't care. Yes, I do care, but in a sense, I don't. What are you talking about, Brother Bruce? There's a man sitting at the right hand of God. Amen. He's the God-man. And he still has a human body combined with his divinity. What do you mean by that? He's fully God and fully man sitting at the right hand of God. And what's he doing for the believer? He's making sin intercession for you and me. Let me see if I need to stop. Somebody said keep going. So I'm going to keep going four hours and 52 minutes. I like that. I'm going to stop here, though. Somebody said, okay. <laughs> here we go. But whatever things were gained to me, I wonder who's talking. Those things I counted, somebody said, I lost for the sake of Christ. But more than that, I count all things to be lost. Now, wait a minute, Solomon. You said all is vanity. But here we have the Apostle Paul saying, what things I counted a gain for me, I counted a loss for Christ. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus Christ, my Lord. Say Lord. Lord. Now, I'm not going to get into it, 
but I just want you to know the word Lord is in its highest case. What do you mean by that? It means he is God. He's Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. It may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. Yes, I'm almost done. I'm going to say it again. I don't know who you are. If you're trying to be a good person to gain Christ, if you're trying to keep the whole law, if you're trying to be a good church member, and if you're trying to do this or that in order to get saved, you're on the wrong path. And the Bible says, you and I can't even keep the Ten Commandments. The righteousness which comes from God. Where does it come from? It comes from God. What do you say that for, Brother Bruce? The righteousness that every Christian has comes from God. It doesn't come from you. No, I know those are practical righteousness because we're supposed to live like Christians. Can I get an amen? Not only are you imputed righteousness, and in other words, when you accept Christ. He charges to your account righteousness. But there is such a thing as practical holiness and righteousness where we are empowered. Say empowered. Don't you know you're empowered by God the Holy Spirit? You're not empowered by your own will. It's God the Holy Spirit who empowers you to live for Christ. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship, say fellowship, of his sufferings. Every born again Christian. Should know that Jesus said. Excuse me. Destroy this temple. John chapter 2. And I. Jesus said it. I will raise it up in three days. No one but the God-man. And you're always emphasizing that, Brother Bruce. I might emphasize it a million more times if I get a chance. The Bible says in John, if everything was written in the book that Jesus did, we run out of books. Here it is, my last quote. Yes, he is altogether lovely. The words are set forth to transcendent loveliness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question, Solomon. Was it vain for Jesus to go to the cross? Was it a vanity of vanities for him to die for your sins and mine? I think not. Who he is, what he is, and what he's like. I only got a half a page to go. First, who he is. The Lord Jesus, after whom she had been seeking, for whom she was 
overcome by love, concerning whom these daughters of Jerusalem had inquired, whom she struggled to describe in particular, he is the great and excellent subject of whom she speaks. This is my last paragraph. What he is, or what she claims of him, that he is, what she claims means the Book of Solomon. The Hebrew word, which is often translated desires, means to earnestly desire, covet, or long after that which is most pleasant, graceful, delectable, and admirable. The original word is both in the abstract and plural in the number, which says that Christ is the very essence of all delights and pleasures, the very soul and substance of them. As the rivers are gathered into the ocean, which is the meeting place of all the waters in the world, so Christ is that ocean in which all the true delights and pleasures. Can I get an amen? amen. Let me go back to one word, and I'm not going to repeat it. The word, the word, trans, the Hebrew word translated desires means to earnestly work, graceful, pleasant, delectable. Let me ask you my final question. Solomon... You gave us a forecast of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You gave us a forecast of everyone, every, the one who is altogether lovely. He's delectable. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord. Of, he's the King. You were the King. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you love him? Do you desire him? Is he, that word delectable means delicious. Is he delicious to you? Does he have a place in your life? Is he the king of kings and the lord of lords? Pastor, that's all I have. Let's give the Lord a hand. Take that down.